Hi, my name is JJ Anselmi, and I'm the author of Heavy, a memoir of Wyoming, BMX, drugs, and heavy fucking music, which was recently released by Redbird. Today, I'm honored to be talking with Justin Hawking, author of the memoir, The Great Floodgates of the Wonder World, and editor of Life and Limb, an anthology of writing about skateboarding. How's it going, Justin? It's going pretty well. How are you doing, JJ? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks again for uh, coming on coming on the air to talk. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Uh, I'm thrilled to uh, have some time to chat with you about all sorts of things. Okay, nice. Um, so to start things off, uh, I was wondering if you'd want to talk a little bit about your um, background in skateboarding. Sure. Well, I, you know, first I just want to say I just... Uh, like an hour ago, I, I finished your book, and uh, okay. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. I got, I mean, it really pulled me in. Um, it's a the the narrative, the the trajectory of of your, you know, your your character, the narrators was I found really enthralling. Um, so, congrats on getting it out, JJ. It's, it's great. I'm really excited for you. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, and you know, I. I connected with a lot of it, um, you know, in terms of like a lot of the music references and BMX and skateboarding and, um, uh, you know, the struggle of growing up and all that stuff. But, but I also really connect with a lot of the geographic stuff. Um, so until I was 12, I lived in this, in a pretty small town in Colorado, um, also a Springs. It was called Glenwood Springs. Um, yeah. and, uh, there, you know, there's like, I don't think it was, it's definitely not as hard scrabble as rock springs. Um, mm-hmm. it's like an hour from, it's like an hour from Aspen. So there's like, it, it's an interesting mix of ranchers and skiers and blue collar folks. And it, now I think it's getting more and more kind of upscale, like similar to Aspen. But, but when I grew up there, it was an interesting mix of people. And there's a lot of mining activity. There's like coal mines around town. Um, so I, I could really relate, um, and I, you know, I, I grew up skiing a lot. I think I got my first skateboard when I was like 11. Uh, and then, and then we moved to, uh, I moved with my dad to Southern California, um, to this place called El Cajon, which, which maybe is like California's version of Rock, Rock Springs. Um, oh, okay. there's, there's like a lot of, a lot of mess. Um, and, uh, it was, yeah, it was, I don't know. There were some good things about it, but it was kind of a weird place to grow up. But anyways, um, yeah, and there's like a, a lot of, I, I, my dad got remarried and, and, um, this big crazy family, I was a lot of step siblings and so then there's a lot, a lot of drug use going on, um, and a lot of dysfunction. And I started, you know, I started skateboarding seriously when I was like 12, 13, junior high. And, um, it just, con- just consumed me. I just, I don't know. I just took to it. Um, yeah. And, uh, and that it's that obsession has lasted. It's ongoing, you know? Um, yeah. And, sure. uh, it, I think it, I think it got me into trouble in some ways, but it also really kept me out of it in a lot of ways. And it, yeah. it seems like that, that kind of was true for you with BMX and rock Springs. I was wondering if you could kind of talk about that. I was just like, I was just really interested in, in that combination of BMX and, and uh, straight edge. 
Oh yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's an awesome question. Um, so yeah, I think the you know getting into some trouble, but mostly staying out of it. To me, yeah. it really connects to you know the obvious kind of destroying property and uh, like when you're grinding mm-hmm. ledges yeah. and rails and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And you know, there's there's also the occasional like, I mean, really grinding a ledge or a rail doesn't really destroy it all the way but you know every once in a while there is like some kind of shitty ledge or rail or something like that that's already on the verge of destruction and you always I don't know me and my friends would always have to completely put it into the ground if we <laughs> found something mm-hmm. like that but anyway so there's a, a destruction of property and you know trespassing to ride full pipes and swimming pools and stuff like that but um, yeah I mean largely it was pretty similar to your experience it was you know a way for me and my friends to kind of rebel and do our own thing uh at the same time you know while staying away from drugs and drinking and all that stuff that was around us at the time yeah yeah um so i mean that's... Were, were were you more of a uh street or Ramp skater, I, I guess I was definitely thinking of skating street um, when you're talking about a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, growing up, um, I used to, I think when I was 12 or 13, the, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the Del Mar Skate Park. It was, it was like this oh, really yeah, legendary. Right. Yeah, legendary skate park from the 70s and 80s. It was where, like, uh, Danny Way... I think used to skate there and Tony Hawk and um yeah. so I got to go there a bunch when I was not a bunch but maybe like five or six times and then you know in the late 80s all those parks were bulldozed and so my friends and I uh turned really heavily to, to street skating um and we would spend a lot we would like take the the um like the the local <laughs> like non-express bus from where we lived in this way out in East San Diego all the way downtown. It would take like uh-huh. two hours on the bus and we would skate at, just skate in downtown San Diego for hours and um just like some of the most fun times of my my um, you know, teen years for sure. And um but the you know, like the past twenty years as an adult I've been much more into um skate parks and ramps and bowls. Um, so who were some of the street skaters, I mean, at the time? So, I mean, I guess I was just curious what year you're talking about uh, and who were some of the influences you had. Well, I, I always loved people like Mark Gonzalez, who, yeah, and he was kind of like one of the original street skaters. And, um, he, uh, I don't know, he just, he was just always one of our, one of our, our favorites. Um, cause he, you know, he was, he's an artist and he just had this like really, um, spontaneous and creative way of, and of doing everything and did it, always did it with like, like humor and what seemed like total joy. Um, yeah. and was just kind of open to rolling down the street and seeing what, whatever he encountered and finding some like totally novel way of, 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 um, interacting with it so yeah i loved him i loved like i mean these are like early days like nodis coppice um and then 
yeah, those those were those are two of my favorites, like from from the '80s, from the early days of of street skating. So in, in Wyoming, you guys were, I mean, was there a lot of street stuff to ride BMX or to to ride bikes on, or was it were you mostly doing like um, like uh, dirt jumps and skate park stuff? Um, we would pretty much do, you know, whatever we could. Basically, uh, I think we all loved riding street most probably. Um, uh-huh. Just for that kind of, yeah, you say, I really like that description of uh, the Gons as, you know, spontaneous and yeah. there's just a lot of, you know, it seems like there's a lot of power in it. You see something that isn't meant to be ridden or skated on and then, you know, you can yeah. basically transform it and, you know, turn this kind of super mundane environment yeah. into more of a playground. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so to me, yeah, that just felt really awesome. But there wasn't, you know, there wasn't much at all. We pretty much within, you know, two or three years of me and my buddies getting serious about writing, we knew we had seen basically every uh-huh. possible spot yeah. you could ever imagine in our town. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were super fortunate. Um, I mean, my friend's dad. Uh, well, he had built this huge house himself and um, had his sons help him, you know, when they were basically kids and they had this huge garage and he just let us build ramps in there, um, which, you know, during the Wyoming winters and I'm sure, you know, you know, Colorado winters. Um, yeah. There's no, you know, there's no riding or skating outside. And so we were right. Just insanely lucky to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So yeah, we would we basically yeah. just do you know whatever was in front of us. Um, I've noticed you know I'm not sure if it's I think it's you get a lot of it in skateboarding too. You get a lot of guys or a lot of skaters in general um, just really focusing on you know either street or ramps and even getting more specialized within that. You know, like certain people will be really good at skating stairs or ledges or whatever mm-hmm. um, and. I guess we always had the approach of just, you know, trying to be able to ride everything, um, which is still yeah. a lot of the riders that yeah. I really yeah. admire can kind of do it all. <clears throat> Me too. Me too. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really great to see like a new generation of kids, um, that are coming up and like, cause in, in the, like in the early 2000s for a while, it was just, like kids would only ride street. That was all they would do when they kind of, look down on anything else and now they're all you know they're so so well-rounded they can just skate anything it's really it's really cool to see yeah for sure and so um moving on you had said uh you had mentioned music um as that kind of being one of the parts of the book that stood out to you and so yeah i'm just curious about um you know the connection music had for you with skateboarding yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, you know, in, in junior high, we listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin and Metallica, the, like the early Metallica stuff, like Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. And so I, I yeah. loved reading about your, your Metallica fandom and, and heavy and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we listened, I listened to, I had a pretty, pretty, um, um, eclectic taste, but I loved, I loved a lot of heavy metal, a lot of punk rock, 
um, there's, you know, like, uh, I got into, um, minor threat for a while. I never was straight edge, but I could really relate to that part of your book. And, yeah. uh, but I was also into like a lot of new wave. This was in the eighties and there, you know, late eighties, early nineties. So I always loved the cure and, nice. um, and, and joy division and bands like that. So, and, and yeah, the, you know, there was an interesting music scene in, in San Diego that, that there's like, a lot of people are really into new wave, but there's also hardcore punk scene. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's really awesome. And um, I was thinking about you know you growing up in uh, Glenwood Springs, and uh-huh. kind of been thinking about it. You know, for the past few years, kind of the the way of the kind of method of communication that is the skate or BMX video, or you know, it's kind of. I feel gotten diluted in some ways, you know, with the internet and everything being so easily available, but, you know, kind of, you know, even for me in the early 2000s, these videos, it was like not only, you know, this way of like seeing what all these writers were doing, but it was also like for me discovering all these different bands that I never would have heard of otherwise, like no way. I'm yeah. If you had a similar experience. We, we would watch, um, videos religiously there was one this classic um escape video called the search for animal chin from the 80s yeah. and it was <laughs> this 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 um this company called pal peralta that like tony hawk and um tony um, tommy guerrero and uh a, a bunch of like you know these really well-known pros of the era rode for and yeah. um and the music, the music in it. I don't. Maybe I'm trying to remember what. There's just some funny music in it. Um, <laughs> but then you know, into my adulthood, it was the same. It was the same kind of thing. Like in my 20s and 30s, where they, like those, so many skateboard and I'm sure BMX videos are so kind of artful and well choreographed. Like that. Um, yeah. There's a there's a great synchronization between the the music and, um, and. Uh, and the, the skating and and so I think you know that's where we that's where we learned about a lot of new bands like you know in the late nineties early two thousands it was kind of like indie bands like Blonde Redhead and um and uh, like Modest Mouse and then um, also we you know kind of like hybrid punk and metal bands like um, Drive Like Jehu and Hot Snakes oh yeah. Um, yeah, that I really love. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Always, always, there, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of overlap between um, music and and um, skateboarding and art and yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's really awesome. And so I want to talk a bit about um, your book, The Great Floodgates of the Wonder World. And so sure. whenever I think about that book, um, you know, probably one of the first things that pops into mind is, um, you know, in addition to Moby Dick, obviously, and for anybody who hasn't read it, it's just an awesome book about um, surfing and living in New York and basically becoming obsessed with Moby Dick. But anyway, uh-huh. one of the scenes that I, I always think about um, is that one of you skating the bowl in uh, the warehouse in New York 
And so I was wondering sure. if you could um, just summarize it briefly for anyone who hasn't read it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so th- when I lived in I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, in in like the early 2000s, and and uh, it was kind of like that neighborhood has changed so much. But it was I was there kind of right at right when it was starting to transition into more of a upscale neighborhood. But there's still a lot of interesting yeah. things going on there in terms of art and, and writing and and um, and music. But uh, some friends of mine that owned a skate shop had built this. Like for some reason, Tylenol gave them a bunch of money to to do something um, as kind of like under the radar marketing to to you yeah. know the like the the younger um, demographic. And so they built this really excellent bowl skate bowl in this warehouse on a dock not, not really a dock but like right on the right on the um east river and uh okay. actually up in greenpoint and it was just like this really post-industrial kind of post-apocalyptic neighborhood and then there's and you kind of had to go down this dark hallway and um to get to it and it, it, it was yeah i just feel like it felt like pure new york city kind of place and and uh and it was, yeah, there was just this huge, huge crew of people that, that skated there all the time. And there was would be bands that would play. And, um, and it was, it was a really interesting scene that lasted for, for several years. Um, and it, you know, like the, the description that you, um, that you did of that, your friend's indoor park in the garage kind of remind me, like, um, I think the description I did of, of you know, talking about people skating like yours, you really, you really caught that kind of like the energy and the, like the kinetic energy of, of, um, of the way people were writing that. And I, yeah, I just thought that was really well done. Oh, thanks a lot. It was definitely, uh, influenced by that section in your book. Um, and so yeah, that definitely, that directly leads me to my next question about that kind of, um, you know, energy and just, the kind of challenge of, um, you know, trying to capture any sport, uh, you know, especially any like just really high energy moment in writing and how challenging that is. I was wondering if there's any writers about that have done that about skating that, you know, really, you you know, it's interesting. I think, I think skateboarding is kind of part of what led me to, to writing. Um, just because I think there's, it's, it's such kind of inherently like a creative pursuit where you're just making it up as you go. Um, but, but I think there's yet to be like a really great novel or any book like written about skateboarding. I think it's yet to be written. Um, I've, I've heard about a book called the glide. Have you heard about this novel? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but, but I I guess my point is that I think it's really hard to act, to write about the actual act of, skateboarding especially yeah. in nonfiction, and I tried mm-hmm. to do it really sparingly um in my book like there's only you know I mean it's a, there's kind of the heart of the book is surfing and skateboarding and I think I only wrote about the actual act a couple times um because yeah. I wanted to avoid being indulgent and I I mm-hmm. took that cue from the writer Daniel Dwayne um mm-hmm. who wrote this book called Caught Inside a Surfer's Year on the California Coast yeah and he, uh, it's a, it's a really, it's an amazing book. It's kind of like a, 
it reads like Thoreau on the beach. And uh, there's a there's a line from from the from that story where Daniel Blaine basically says that like spending too much time writing about the actual act of surfing is basically like kind of like telling the audience like I masturbated last night and it was great, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 yeah it's it's just hard to it's hard to pull off, um, but. Um, there's there's writers that write um, physical physical descriptions really or like about the act of um, about like sports really well or um, but I'm not I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of like any that in, well I mean yeah like Daniel Dwayne's one um, yeah but I'm I'm curious I'm curious to know uh, if, if you like, were you in, when you wrote heavy? Were you inspired by any writers that that kind of handle that physicality really well? Um, you for sure. Like I'd mentioned, um, yeah. I think when you. I was getting my MFA, Stephen told me about uh, Jocko Weiland. Um, oh Jocko yeah, Weiland's yeah, yeah. The answer is never. Yeah, um, you know, and yeah, I really back. enjoyed that. Yeah, I take it back. Like that is there's one <laughs> that's a great book written about skateboarding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad you found that. So that was that was another source of, of inspiration. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm trying to remember exactly. It's been a while since I read it, and I read it super fast, just because. I mean, that was the only real kind of like nonfiction or you know more literature style book that I'd ever read about skateboarding. But I think he's from. Yeah. Isn't he from Colorado also? Chocolate yeah, Island. he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's from, okay. Um, um, we didn't. We were different generations, but um, slightly different generations. He lived in um, up near Rocky Mountain National Park, um, okay. way up in the hills. Um, but we yeah. we ended, we actually met, you know, years later in New York City. We met and became pretty good friends. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, what about biking? Are there are there any are there any other liter I mean, are there other books that have uh, like BMX or I mean, there's books that have talk about bikes and biking, but not necessarily BMX. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing really. I don't think I've ever read a like I don't know work of fiction or literary nonfiction that really covers it. But I mean, as any. Yeah. You know, kid growing up skating and BMXing, I just kind of devoured um, magazines. You know, in addition to videos. Yeah, I definitely read yeah. all the text, and um, yeah. I guess that was probably the closest thing that I got to BMX. But um, so yeah, Jocko Wyland. So yeah, I guess I really latched onto any kind of writing about you know the larger branches of um, extreme sports and stuff like that. So yeah, like I said, Jocko Wyland, you, and then. Um, that's funny. That's awesome that you mentioned, uh, Daniel Blaine is the guy's name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been meaning to read that book for a long time. Um, but I guess the closest I got, um, to that was, uh, Tapping the Source by Kim Nunn. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, he, um, he's one of my, I think, favorite fiction writers. Um, yeah. The book, the, the book. The Dogs of Winter. Have you read that novel? 
Um, I've only read one other one. Actually, I think I read uh, Tijuana Straits. All right, yeah, that one's great too. Um, yeah. If you get a chance, read read The Dogs of Winter. I feel like you know I'm a huge Moby Dick fan. I feel like it's like a modern day retelling of uh, Moby Dick. It's an, it's okay. so good. It's so it's so gripping. Uh, yeah, it's just an, it's just an amazing book. Um, yeah, I'm none, and I mean, having the source, I've been rereading it now, and it just really like to me. There's you know, there's this kind of core connecting you know, skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing, and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and it really has to do with that kind yeah. of you know, just entering the present moment and being like, to me, it's like the most I can ever imagine probably that I've ever experienced, like just being fully aware of like Mm -hmm. each tiny physical detail and every kind of little thing that I'm doing. But at the same time, it's like this weird contradiction that you're like also completely disconnected from that. Um, Yeah. And I don't really know how to explain it other than that, but Tapping the Source really nailed that, and yeah, um, I, I read that book when I was really getting into, you know, just different kind of nature writing stuff, and as I've yeah. been rereading it now, I was just like, man, what a amazing example of nature writing that I don't think, yeah. you know, it's not really uh, categorized that way, but it's totally, you know, really covers the nature writing. It's just all about, I mean, the title, Tapping the Source, is kind of about this deeper connection to this, you know, waves in the ocean yeah. and trying to feed off of that energy. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah man, I um, guess. I know. Yeah. Go I was going to say that I was going to say that, um, caught inside the Daniel Dwayne book is really similar. Like I said, it, it, it has a real, like a real affinity with, um, with Walden and, and works by Thoreau. And, but it, you know, it's, it, but it's about surfing, but, but again, like he, he writes, there's, he, I think he uses surfing just sort of as like a, um, as a lens to, to talk about this area and about the ocean and about the history of, um, the area, the natural history of the area and about the history of surfing and just all these other things. So it, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, uh, these new, new, uh, forms of nature writing. For sure, yeah, that book. Um, I mean, I'm gonna have to go order it uh, after I hang up the phone. Um, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of books, can I can I interject? Um, I noticed yeah. that you mentioned Dennis Johnson in the acknowledgments of Heavy. Yeah, and I see I see a real kinship between Heavy and Jesus' son and. Um, I'm curious to know at what, like at what point in your life did you read that book? Um, well, I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a pretty amazing compliment. So thanks a ton. Um, Jesus's son. Um, I think I'd read a few short stories from it, uh, when I was an undergrad, but I, yeah, didn't read the full collection. Um, until I was in grad school, so it was only, well, actually, I guess it was um, probably four or five years ago now, and, you know, I just couldn't yeah. put it down. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was just really, you know, captivated by that kind of 
Um, I feel like there's this like really kind of scathing underlying self-hatred in Jesus' yeah. son. But Dennis yeah. Johnson, you know, like, if you ask him about it or, you know, the narrator, um, you know, he'd answer you, he'd have some kind of like ironic tongue-in-cheek response, which I think is kind of an awesome way to handle it for that book. Um, but yeah, I yeah. guess I really just try to take that approach of, um, you know, trying to make fun of myself, but I don't know, kind of always with the, always with the eye that a lot of the stuff that I was kind of doing stemmed from this, you know, this really deep self-hatred at the time. Um, but yeah, Dennis Johnson, uh, <clears throat> yeah, what an amazing writer. Him and Barry Hannon, I guess, is on a, you know, pure mechanics and linguistic level. Um, he really yeah. influenced me, you know, just kind of a modern Ernest Hemingway, just trying to do as much as possible. And I mean, you're definitely yeah. a, you know, practitioner of economy. So just trying to say as much as possible, you know, and yeah, yeah, as small space as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, that's another reason I loved your book was, um, I mean, I think that it's it's such like a universal human experience that sense of deep self-loathing. Um, yeah. But few few people are willing to explore it um, on the mm-hmm. page, and um, yeah, you're right. I, I I think that's a I think that's such a great way to sum up um, what Jesus' son was about. I mean, the the main character's name is Fuckhead, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I was, I was when I think of that book, the first thing I think of is like, uh, I just think of you know someone going through hell and getting in, and then like coming through it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a, it's a kind of, it's kind of a, a recovery book, but it's way you can't, but you can't really take it that way because it's way more nuanced than that, you know. Um, yeah, and and that's that's something that I I love about your book too is you know it's because um, there's been a million books written about um, you know people getting um, you know experimenting and then and then getting you know in, in over their heads with drugs or alcohol. Yeah, um, and your book I didn't even, you know it it I didn't I didn't realize it was going that way you know it it totally took me by surprise. Um, <laughs> Because you know, and it was—it's like so, uh, so interesting that you're one of the straight edge kids that fell. You know, they're the ones that seem to fall the hardest, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're one of the ones that did, and it was really gripping to read about what you went through, and um, and especially in Texas, that was an amazing section, and um, <laughs> and then and then to you know, and I just, I just, I just the ending and I don't want to give away the ending, but, um, uh, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like, like Jesus son. It's like a, it's a book about someone getting well and getting sober. And, um, and, uh, but, but, but that's like, it's so much more than that at the same time. You know, it's, that's just kind of an easy way to describe it. But. Um, yeah. And I guess thinking more about, um, as you're talking, the ending of Jesus' son, and, you know, I guess I really wanted to kind of emphasize, you know, that kind of, well, what happens after you get sober type thing, and I guess that was that, that's really the downfall to me of 
so many addiction memoirs. It's like, um, mm-hmm. you know, well, I got sober and I kind of figured out life. And for me, and that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a huge thing that I got from Jesus' son is like, you get clean and then it's like, well, you still have to kind of face your existence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I really tried to emphasize that and just kind of like, you know, like there's always this trade off to me. So like, yeah, getting sober is, good but i mean it's also like i i lose the kind of you know social lubricant type aspect mm-hmm. of it and you know i'm super yeah. awkward and in my own head yeah and, i mean that shit sucks yeah. you know there, there's a lot of i mean i guess that sounds kind of whiny but there's a lot of yeah. times when i'm like man this situation would be a lot easier if i you know had a beer or whatever and um yeah and if i started so, I mean, yeah yeah and so, yeah, and you know, dealing with the kind of scarification process and stuff like that, and so yeah, I just really wanted yeah, to get on which, that kind of yeah existential aspect of it. I, I guess I think I went a little overboard, and if I had my book to do over again, I think I would make it like I think I would try to go for a little bit more of what you did. With <laughs> I think like I don't know, maybe I didn't overdo it too much, but like it's got a pretty happy ending. Although I guess someone dies at the end, but um, yeah. But I, you know, I just I thought the ending was fantastic, and um, and the way you use the scarification, I mean, it, it's you know, it works on this literal level, um, but also really on 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 you know a figurative level um, to to kind of you know um, to illustrate the that how painful that experience was, and how you know it it doesn't you know. Like you said, it's not like um, you get sober and everything's all like rainbows and and roses. Yeah. Well, yeah, still like, long, yeah, there's yeah, and so there's still this deep vulnerability at the end. Like yeah. you know, you mentioned that you're uh, there's a description of how you're like a uh, you know guy with short hair and red beard and glasses and and um, uh, and you're and this you know kind of deep seated. Uh, neuroticism, which I can absolutely relate with. Yeah. Um, and that's funny that you said, I don't know, floodgates had a happy ending. Cause I, I mean, I guess I kind of got that, but I mean, it was so hard won to me, you know, it was just like there's uh, so yeah. many psychological, you know, gymnastics, that you had to <laughs> perform and like you were constantly even you know up to the end it was still like just these you know really loops that you were just constantly like falling into and then clawing your way out of and so um, yeah i mean man yeah if it's a happy ending it's definitely a hard one happy ending i think yeah yeah well <laughs> i think the same is true i think the same is absolutely true for you but your book so i take that as a huge compliment um you know, I think I think um, both of our books explore a pretty the pretty dark subject of um, suicidal ideation, yeah. um, and that um, uh, that uh, is an experience that I do not wish on anyone. Um, yeah, for sure. my, my worst my worst enemies, but that um, speaking of hard one, you know, endings. I mean, uh, that scene where you. Uh, you drove, or I should say, the narrator drives out to um, 
what's it? It's the name of the town. It starts with a B, I think. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the town that the man oh, is driving towards. Right. Yeah, like heading towards the cliff yeah. with a with a loaded forty four. I mean, man, that oh man, that that scene was just. Um, I was. Yeah, I couldn't put it down. Um, so again, it was like it's like one of it's a it's a vulnerable thing to write about, and and it's uh, another reason that I I feel like I so connected with the book and and felt like um, I felt known by by your book in a lot of ways, you know. I felt like um, a little less alone. <clears throat> Jeez, that's uh, yeah, super kind, man. Thanks again. Um, but to kind of, I don't know, um, start, I guess, drawing things to a close, I wanted to um, just return to uh, skating and stuff like that. And so sure. I was curious, um, you know, especially when you, I mean, I guess it's not so much of a question anymore that I have, but when you're, you know, describing the gons and the kind of spontaneity and true joy, but also humor and all that stuff, I'm like, man, you know, I could be just as easily be describing a work of literature or music or mm-hmm. painting. And so I was just wondering if you, you know, do you think of skating and BMX and stuff like that as forms of art? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, another part, there's this line from your book that I, that I really, um, resonated with, which, which, you know, you said, the narrator says that you, you fell in love with that space that writing opened up in his brain which yeah. is the same space you found in BMX. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I really feel the same way about about skating. I, I think it's like it's never something I did for the... I don't like the term extreme sports very much. I don't know if anyone even uses that anymore, but... Um, yeah. Because to me, that seems like someone jumping off, like bungee jump, jumping off a bridge, <laughs> you know, or like yeah. doing something that doesn't re- really require any skill or... Um, nuance um, or practice mm-hmm. just requires like you know guts obviously but but it's you know yeah. they do it for like the adrenaline rush and like um, I've had problems with anxiety my entire life so I don't really I'm not really into adrenaline <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um, but I mean having said that I think that um, skateboarding for me it, it is a way to kind of work with fear um, for sure a really healthy way to work with fear. But, but I, you know, the reason I, I do it is, um, and continue to do it is that I'm after something kind of deeper than adrenaline rush. And I think it's just, you know, something that you got at earlier, which is kind of mental and physical slow state. Um, yeah. That, um, when you're in it, it, it feels almost like, um, uh, this, the same kind of experience you might get, um, when, um, meditating or praying it's it's like um this laser focus and and time um your sense of time slips away so you're not really aware of time passing as much um and there's just kind of like you feel at one with with your environment and what you're doing and with with the movement and and everything's kind of firing on the same wavelength uh, probably a bad mixed metaphor there but um you know, your 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 physical your physical body is in in line with your with your um, emotions and your and your cognition and and maybe even your spirit. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, that obviously doesn't happen every time, but there are times when it does. Um, and that's, you know, the reason I'm still doing it at age 42. Um, and, you know, I think, I think skating and BMX are both these, like, activities with no kind of, like, in, in terms of, like, the larger society, they're not, they don't have, like, a purpose or a goal or, you know, most yeah. people don't make any money money off it. It's just pure enjoyment. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think you know, some of the best, the best riders, BMX or skateboarding, or any of these pursuits are, I think they're doing things that, that are on par with the grace and the skill and the nuance of contemporary dance, you know, people, what people yeah. are doing in dance. And so in, in all these ways, I, I really do see it as more of an art form than a sport. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, that makes me, I think, I think, there's going to, uh, skateboarding going to be in the Olympics, right? And that's, there's at least going to be like an exhibition. It makes me really nervous. Oh shit. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. That's what I, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, there's this whole thing called street league. You may have seen uh, yeah. on the internet. Yeah. On the internet. And it's like, I think that's heading towards maybe like Olympic, the Olympics, that, that kind of style of, contest which just seems kind of weird to me like it seems like it kind of um it seems the the whole atmosphere seems kind of um, weird and um sterile to me in some ways but yeah so what about so what about like would you say this i mean i, I think i was kind of speaking for bmx and i don't know as much about it but you, you feel the same way um yeah i mean you it so beautifully but um i mean there was kind of a time when i you know was an undergrad and really started focusing more on studies and getting away from bmx and i kind of have these arguments with myself like well is it really you know is it really an art form and yeah um, can i you know capture the nuance of emotion that you know different other art forms can and i mean yeah over the years i yeah, totally think it does. And I mean, one way to me that in addition to kind of the, you know, I love that comparison to dance. Um, I think that's spot on. Another way is kind of the way a, a personality can be, you know, reflected in those acts. And so, you know, to me, for me and my friends, it was like, looking back, I can see, you know, how my buddy's writing style kind of aligned with who they were or, you know, how it was yeah. a response to, certain things like yeah. that and I, I see a lot of that yeah. in That's skateboarding and BMX and yeah yeah um it's, it's, people go ahead I was gonna say maybe that's where we like I'm always trying to think of like you know it's kind of weird there's some weird connections like how do you get from skateboarding and BMX to writing but but maybe it's that we notice things like that um we, we, our eyes are kind of trained to notice you know um different architecture and things that people wouldn't necessarily notice and then maybe it's the same with like developing characters um yeah you're kind of like because i love writing that's like about the body and about gestures and physicality and and maybe maybe um that's one one benefit of having um done this you know done the kinds of things that we've done yeah i think so Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, but, yeah, that's, yeah, I think you're, I mean, that really, 
you know, it was a great transition into what I was going to ask you about next. Um, you know, I was just kind of wondering, I'm always curious when people, you know, come from, you know, something like skateboarding or um, the last person I had talked with, he was, you know, just, he's probably one of the most punk rock people I've ever met um, and then transitioned into writing. And so I'm always curious, you know, like, what kind of sparked that initial transition or when did you start focusing more on writing than, you know, skating and surfing and stuff? Well, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, to be honest, in graduate school, when I was getting my MFA at Colorado State University, I was probably spent more time than I should have, way more time than I should have skateboarding. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, were, we were, like, in the process of building a new park there, and I helped design some of it, and, um, and you know, I was still, like, in my late 20s, and so I was, like, just deeply, deeply um, immersed in that world, and and, and, and skating all the time. So, um, and that was, you know, deciding to go to graduate school, I, I think was kind of part of that, you know, and I was, you know, again, like skating more than I probably should have. Um, that's when it all kind of coalesced for me, I think, um, you know, in my late, in my late twenties, um, mid to late twenties. Um, and, you know, I think there just wasn't, there weren't that many people and I and I wanted to you know I kind of knew that I wanted to write about skateboarding, but there wasn't really anyone doing it. Uh, and then I found Jocko Whalen's book that we referenced earlier, and you know I realized like um, this is you know this is something this you know you can do this. And then you know one of my professors at CSU, John Calderazzo, a great professor, um, really, and also my advisor Steve um, Schwartz we're both like, you should, you know, this is what you know you should, because I wasn't really writing about it. Um, I, you know, I studied fiction and, and I, and I wasn't really writing about it. Um, I was trying to write these more straightforward kind of like, um, uh, maybe kind of Raymond Carver-esque stories or kind of like trying to do what John Updike was doing. And, um, and they're both like, you know, you should write, you should write about what, what, what you're really interested in and, and then and one of them handed me the book um, you know Daniel Blaine's book Caught Inside and that, that kind of inspired me and um, so yeah it, it all kind of coalesced around that time and I think you know writing it's so hard and it requires like so much persistence and um, failure and yeah. I think that I think that's that we learn you know it's like growing up as kids that, that rode BMX and, and, and skated, like, I think that those are two lessons that we, we learned at a, at a young age, like, you know, to learn a basic trick, to learn something like a kickflip takes, you know, literally hundreds of tries and a lot of failure and, um, a lot of falling down and, and, you know, hurting yourself. <laughs> and and yeah. I think that, um, I think that, you know, deciding to be a writer you're, you're sort of like, um, inviting a, a, a lot of <laughs> pain and suffering, but also a lot of joy, you know? So, yeah, totally. Yeah. And what about you? Can you, can you kind of, I was really curious, um, you know, and you're sort of towards the end, you talked about, about, um, getting into writing and, um, yeah. I'm curious how that kind of, ha- how that happened. 
Um, I guess at a certain point, I just uh, kind of got sick of the getting hurt aspect of it. And I guess the first transition I made was focusing more on music, which I also get a lot of, you know, the kind of just really raw, I don't know, physical yeah. energy. I, I find a lot yeah. of that in playing, in playing metal and, and stuff like that. And so I guess that was kind of one of the initial transitions and then found this other side of, you know, writing being kind of like more of the, a little bit more of the conscious mind, I guess. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess I, once I stopped writing as much, writing BMX as much, I still, you know, would always play music, but then I don't know, I feel like there's still kind of some untapped space or something like that. And I didn't want it to be as physical as BMX. Cause like I said, I was, you know, kind of tired of getting hurt. I mean, to this day, uh, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure, you, you know, your body, I mean, um, I'm 30 years old yeah. and, you know, my knees are uh, yeah. fucked up in a lot of ways. Uh, one of my best friends recently got, uh, you know, surgery for arthritis on his hip uh, also uh-huh. at the age of 30, which is just like, you know, yeah. fucking insane in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and But I really miss that kind of creative aspect of, yeah. You know, the BMX, like, just constantly looking at your surroundings and yeah, just thinking of, you know, what you could do. Um, and because yeah. street riding is, I mean, skate, skate parks are, you know, amazing and awesome to ride and skate, but um, street, you know, street is not laid out for you in the same way. There's no, yeah. no one saying, like, here's a line that you could do and, you know, you could do this and then this. So it really kind yeah. of requires a lot of creative energy. Um, yeah. And then, so yeah, I, I guess I discovered that that was in writing and for me, it kind of yeah. made sense. You know, I had grown up like half BMX writing metalhead, but then also half like, you know, hide out in my room, uh, too afraid to talk to the girls that I liked and, you know, reading Tolkien uh-huh. and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not exactly sure when that transition i mean it's definitely in um undergrad and i remember a few times going out riding um like after i had not done it for quite a while and i definitely do it a lot more now but i remember you know this this particular instance where i was just trying to do some something that i'd some trick that i'd done you know a million times before um but i just couldn't like get get the mental energy to do it i couldn't push myself over that kind of bump of fear. Um, and so that was kind of one of the, to me, looking back on a transitional moments of like moving more toward writing, um, you know, for similar mm-hmm. reasons, but also like finding obviously something different in it. I don't have to destroy my knees. It's uh, there's the failure yeah. for sure. Like, you know, uh-huh. self-hatred and, you know, just hating a, a piece and not knowing what to do with it and just wanting to completely trash yeah. it and never thinking yeah. about it again, you know, which I'm, I'm dealing mm-hmm. with right now for sure. Um, yeah, what but then there's, you know, um, that one I've been trying to write this essay uh, for Salon, um, and the editor is being super kind and providing suggestions. I'm just having a really hard time getting this piece 
uh, where it needs to be. And I mean, it seems, you know, it's kind of like a age old story. It just seems like there's always, almost always a piece like that on the back burner. That's like, um, you know, quietly driving me nuts. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, are you the same way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm working on, um, I'm working on a, a new kind of hybrid memoir thing, kind of um, more essayistic memoir. And, uh, yeah. and it's, it's actually, there's, there's a, I'm going back to my earlier days in Colorado. And so there's a, a bunch of stuff about like mining and geology. And, um, the town I grew up in had, has the world's largest hot springs pool. And, um, so I'm, I'm like reading a lot of John McPhee and thinking about, and like, you know, studying the history of mining and geology. And, um, and, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's going pretty well, but I'm, I'm also kind of like braiding that together with, um, some, you know, the, the book has this kind of subterranean theme and I'm braiding that the external, um, like mining geology stuff with much more kind of darkly personal um, material about this kind of underground stuff that was happening in my home life. Um, And uh, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like really hard work and it's, I feel like I'm in the, like down in a, in a, you know, writing down in the, kind of in the dark a lot and I have to come up for air quite a bit. So it's, it's a hard slog right now. So, but you know, we, 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 we endure, right. We keep moving forward with it. So, yeah, for sure. That sounds, uh, super interesting. Um, and again, uh, you know, kind of wanting to finish things up on, you know, the, the, uh, just skating and, BMX, you had mentioned a few times that you still, um, you know, you're still a skater. And I remember that, uh-huh. you know, being one of the things that I immediately noticed on your book, um, in your bio on the back of it, it says you're still an avid skateboarder. Uh-huh. So I was just wondering how your approach, how it changed yeah, over well, the years. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot so different how, now. It's a lot, it's a lot different um, because AI yeah, have like, um, my hip uh, is probably slightly arthritic as well. It's like I got a massage. I got a um, massage, and and the massage therapist was like, "What happened to your hip?" You know, she was moving my hip around, and it and it like has all these big cracks and pops in all these weird ways. And you know, I was like, "Oh, I grew up skateboarding." She's like, "Oh, right, yeah, um, that makes sense." Um, but you know, knock on wood, like my body's in general, it's still doing pretty good. And, um, yeah. I've been lucky knock on wood again. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I live in Oregon and there's, there's, uh, just amazing skate parks here. Um, yeah. Burnside, Burnside is this, you know, kind of DIY park that's under the Burnside bridge, downtown Portland. And, and then there's parks all over the, all over the state. They're just amazing. Um, and that's, what's really fun to me now is just, you know, rolling around in a bowl and yeah, trying a few tricks here and there, but just, just kind of, um, going really fast and rolling around and carving is, is, is still really fun to me. 
So, and yeah, I, I just, I feel lucky that I'm still able to do it and have fun with it. Do you, do you still get on your, on your bike? Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it sounds again, super similar. Um, I mean, I really don't do tricks so much anymore. I'll just cruise around basically. Um, yeah, I love just the feel of, you know, riding down the street and doing sharp turns and kind of manualing yeah. down the road or, you know, going to skate park, yeah. um, carving around the bowls. When I was living in Fresno, there was this amazing, um, it's one of the only BMX only concrete skate oh, really? uh, in the oh. world. Yeah. It's called uh Mosqueda and it's, um, pretty gnarly. Like, I mean, you know, to me, a lot of those transitions are really scary, like eight and 10 foot and stuff, but I was just, yeah, yeah. carve and glide around and, um, just feel very connected to the machine. Um, yeah. you know, in a way that like, I'd love to ride my, my road bike around all the time, but, um, there's just this different level of kind of connectedness. Um, and I still, yeah. you know, love that, love that feeling. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of, there's not the, I don't know, like super joyful connection of like, um, with the bike every time or like fully entering the moment. Um, but you know, when it happens, it's, uh, worth all the other times where it didn't, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Good. Hey, I just thought of a book that I need to read that you might like too. You might, you probably heard of it, but it's, um, William Finnegan's Barbarian Days about surfing. Oh, no, I haven't heard of that one. Speaking of writers that can do physicality, like write about physicality. Yeah, he's, uh, you, you may know, of, you may have heard of him. I think he, he, he's been a staff writer for the New Yorker forever and he's written about surfing in the past a little bit. Um, but he's, he's like this amazing guy that's been, like done everything and been everywhere in the world and surfed at, at like, every, you know, like all these really remote exotic spots and just has, has had yeah. crazy adventures. But yeah, Barbarian Days, it's supposed to be pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And, uh, I forgot to ask when you were talking about all the skate parks um, in Oregon. Uh, so yeah, you know Stephen Church, our you know mutual friend or my mentor and yeah. professor, he yeah. told me that you helped design Burnside. And I mean, to me, when he when he told me that, it was just like <laughs> it's fucking insane to hear. Uh, so I was well, I don't know true. where he got that. I don't know where he got that <laughs> because I, that's absolutely false. <laughs> um, but, but like I, I had nothing to do with that place, but like I said, I did, oh, okay. um, I was, I was, um, I was super involved. I was on the design team of a park in, back in Colorado, um, in the town oh, where we okay. went to graduate school, um, and worked on that for, you know, we worked on it for like a, a year and I built a small, very small part of it. I helped build, but no, no, I, I wish I could say that I, um, have been involved with Burnside, but no. <laughs> well, that's, um, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad Steve's out there telling people that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a good rumor to have out yeah. there by yourself. But, uh, so you helped design the skate park in Fort Collins though? Yeah. Yeah. The one, it's in a park, uh, in, a, in a public park called Edora. Yeah. Yeah. I've ridden there a few times. That's an amazing, an amazing concrete park, and I guess 
as you were talking about Burnside and the skate parks in um, Oregon and stuff, I mean, I was just kind of thinking of this other, you know, artful aspect of skating. And to me, I just love to see, like, you know, a, a concrete skate park that's really well built and just, you know, very thoughtfully planned out. It's such a different beast yeah. than, like, um, you know, right near me is this, you know, when I, we call them, uh, like, McParks, one of those prefabricated, yeah. you know, you basically, like, get all yeah. the parts of, like, in yeah. the mail or whatever and just, you know, cobble it together and... right. So yeah, yeah what do you live now? about that that process? <clears throat> uh, oh, the process of designing that. Yeah. Um. Well, I worked with a couple other really good friends from Fort Collins, um, guys that run the skate shop there, and we worked with this pretty eccentric guy named Tim, who was actually a, like a professional roller skater from the seventies, <laughs> and he lives in. At the time, he lived in Durango, and he built a couple parks. And um, fortunately, the city, the city engineers were like pretty young and really forward-thinking, and they absolutely involved us in the process. And um, and they they knew that a design-build um, uh, process would be would be you know would get the best uh, end result if we use that instead of having one person design it and then another person build it. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty rare, you know, I mean, there, there's more and more of that happening, but, um, and, and they also, you know, were really, really, um, careful to give, give the skateboarders a lot of, um, serious input. So we really like just sat down at a table in a, in this in a municipal office and, and sketch started sketching things out and I had a lot of ideas um from um coming being out in Oregon and skating some of the parks here, including yeah. one in um Ash in, in Ashland, Oregon that I really liked. And we just I had I had a lot of ideas and we found some ways to incorporate some kind of street elements from, you know, my friend Andy and Fort Collins and um and and Tim, this guy Tim had some interesting ideas to like elongate that the biggest bowl into more of an egg shape, which was kind of um, replicated the uh, I think there's something called an egg bowl and at um, uh, a famous skate park in New Jersey I want to say it was called Cherry Cherry Hill yeah Cherry Hill um, okay. from back in the 70s. And so it was just like a lot of different elements that we, that came together into that park. Um, yeah, I think it, and then, and then, you know, Tim, we had, he was a hard person to get along with, but he ended up doing a really good job supervising the construction of it. And yeah, I think it turned out really well. And, 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 uh, yeah, that seemed like the BMX, BMX people were really like it because it, you know, has yeah, that long sure. snake run and yeah. So, so that was interesting. <clears throat> and so yeah, when you um when you mentioned Burnside too, I was uh oh no, I got kind of excited there and I was just remembering uh, my only experience riding there and um I mean that place is you know, for people who don't know, it's just so much of a different like experience and world than the kind of skate park in like a, you know, clean, sunny suburb. And so like when me and my buddies mm-hmm 
wrote it for one, I mean, like, you know, there's always, there's the animosity, um, between yeah. skaters and BMX writers. And I mean, you know, it's, it's justified in like BMX writers, this, um, some of it's like kids not knowing what they're doing. And then other parts is like this, you know, people being assholes, um, and fucking yeah. up the coping. So it's, you know, harder to grind on a skateboard and stuff. And so yeah. basically if you rode, you know, if you rode BMX and you wanted to ride Burnside, everyone told us like, yeah, you go there, you know, five or six in the morning and then leave right. by nine unless you want to get your ass kicked basically. Uh-huh. Um, and so when, yeah. when we went there, it was just, so fucking gnarly i mean we were just you know small town kids for one and so it was under this um crazy bridge in portland and i mean just like the term urban decay you know i think it's just like yeah. a defining place for that yeah. and there's like some there's a bum sleeping on one of the quarter pipes um yeah and then he got up at some point uh and pulled his skateboard out of his sleeping bag and just started skating. And to me, that was just like mm-hmm. such a fucking gnarly thing that happened. And so uh, uh, I was wondering if you've had any, you know, particular instances at Burnside that stand out in your mind. Uh, yeah. I mean, that place is, it's, it's crazy. Um, I, yeah. I remember going there once and there was this um, guy that was, obviously um, heavily under the influence of a lot of drugs and looked like he was probably um, semi-homeless and he had like two different types of shoes on and yeah. he was just walking around in the flat bottom swinging a stick like waving a <laughs> stick around like he, like a sword and yeah. it was so funny how like unfazed everyone was about that like everyone <laughs> everyone continued to take their runs and just kind of, it was almost like he was just another obstacle that you had to <laughs> avoid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like people were yelling at him, like, get out of here. But like no one, you know, everyone just kept, it, was, it wasn't like it was anything all that surprising or interesting. <laughs> and then also like, there's a guy, there's this guy that used to bring his pit bull and leave him on the deck and the pit bull just like bark at every time someone would come near that that transition the pit bull would just go crazy barking just in the it's just like a it's a great it's an amazing place but it's just with a lot of annoying stuff that happens there too a lot of weird stuff i don't really go there as much as i used to yeah um yeah it's definitely one of those places uh i think there's certain times it seems like um where you know it's obviously better than others but yeah it's such a legendary legendary spot um but yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, use that to draw things to a close and thank you again for talking to me. That was really awesome. Oh yeah, JD, I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm really excited for you and your book.